I am Solus Veritas, and this is a special edition of the Defending American Exceptionalism podcast. It is being recorded on June 30th, 2022. On this July 4th, as our nation is under attack from within, constantly defending herself against false allegations of systemic racism, patriarchy, and oppression, it is time to celebrate our founding and the heroes who fought to create the freest and most amazing country on earth. In the words of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, Listen, my children, and you shall hear of the midnight ride of Paul Revere. On the 18th of April in 75, hardly a man is now alive who remembers that famous day and year. He said to his friend, if the British march, by land or sea from the town tonight, hang a lantern aloft in the belfry arch of the North Church Tower as a signal light, one if by land and two if by sea, and I on the opposite shore will be, ready to ride and spread the alarm through every Middlesex village and farm for the country folk to be up and to arm. Then he said good night and with muffled oar, silently rode to the Charlestown shore, just as the moon rose over the bay, where swinging wide at her moorings lay, the Somerset British man of war, a phantom ship with each mast and spar, across the moon like a prison bar, and a huge black hulk that was magnified by its own reflection in the tide. Meanwhile his friend through alley and street wanders and watches with eager ears, till in the silence around him he hears the muster of men at the barrack door, the sound of arms and the tramp of feet and the measured tread of the grenadiers marching down to their boats and on the shore. Then he climbed to the tower of the church, up the wooden stairs with stealthy tread, to the belfry chamber overhead, and startled the pigeons from their perch on the somber rafters that round him made masses and moving shapes of shade. By the trembling ladder, steep and tall, to the highest window in the wall, where he paused to listen and look down, a moment on the roofs of the town, and the moonlight flowing all over all. Beneath in the churchyard lay the dead, in their night encampment on the hill, wrapped in silence so deep and still, that he could hear like a sentinel's tread the watchful night wind as it went, creeping along from tent to tent, and seeming to whisper, all is well, a moment only he feels the spell, of the place and the hour and the secret dread, of the lonely belfry and the dead. For suddenly all his thoughts are bent, on a shadowy something far away, where the river widens to meet the bay, a line of black that bends and floats on the rising tide like a bridge of boats. Meanwhile, impatient to mountain ride, booted and spurred with a heavy stride, on the opposite shore walked Paul Revere. Now he patted his horse's side, now gazed on the landscape far and near. Then impetuous stamped the earth and turned and tightened his saddle girth, but mostly he watched with eager search the belfry tower of the old North Church. As it rose above the graves on the hill, lonely and spectral and somber and still. And lo, as he looks on the belfry's height, a glimmer and then a gleam of light. He springs to the saddle, the bridle he turns, but lingers and gazes till full on his sight and second lamp in the belfry burns. A hurry of hoofs in the village street, a shape in the moonlight, a bulk in the dark, and beneath from the pebbles in a passing, a spark, struck out by a steed that flies fearless and fleet. That was all, and yet through the gloom and the light, the fate of a nation was riding that night. And the spark struck out by that steed in his flight kindled the land into flame with its heat. He has left the village and mounted the steep, 
and beneath him tranquil and broad and deep. Is the mystic meeting the ocean tides, and under the alders that skirt its edge, now soft on the sand, now loud on the ledge, is heard the tramp of his steed as he rides. It is twelve by the village clock. When he crossed the bridge into Medford town, he heard the crowing of the cock and the barking of the farmer's dog and felt the damp of the river frog that rises when the sun goes down. It was one by the village clock when he galloped into Lexington. He saw the gilded weathercock swim in the moonlight as he passed and the meeting house windows, blank and bare, gaze at him with a spectral glare as if they already stood aghast at the bloody work they would look upon. It was two by the village clock when he came to the bridge in Concord Town, he heard the bleating of the flock and the twitter of birds among the trees and felt the breath of the morning breeze blowing over the meadows brown. And one was safe and asleep in his bed, who at the bridge would be first to fall, who that day would be lying dead, pierced by a British musket ball. You know the rest in the books you've read, how the British regulars fired and fled, how the farmers gave them ball for ball from behind each fence and farmyard wall, chasing the redcoats down the lane, then crossing the fields to emerge again, under the trees at the turn of the road, and only pausing to fire and load. So through the night rode Paul Revere, and so through the night went his cry of alarm to every Middlesex village and farm, a cry of defiance and not of fear, a voice in the darkness, a knock at the door, and a word that shall echo forevermore. For born on the night wind of the past, through all our history to the last, in the hour of darkness and peril and need, the people will waken and listen to hear the hurrying hoofbeats of that steed and the midnight message of Paul Revere. Paul Revere was a revolutionary and a patriot of the founding of the United States. No doubt, and as shown in historical records, Longfellow's rendition of Revere's, Revere's ride is full of embellishment, and though pursuant to Revere's own recounting of his role at the time depicted in Longfellow's poem, he did ride to Lexington to deliver a message to other well-known men, Samuel Adams and John Hancock, to inform them and others that British soldiers were indeed headed in their direction. His story, however, was more of a symbol of all the brave acts undertaken by those who aided the efforts of the American Revolution. His role was likely minor on its own, but it was a nation of patriots like him, all playing minor roles, but working together, that when combined, defeated an empire and freed a nation. Each one of them is to be celebrated, not vilified. And today, we must all take our own places in undertaking even the most seemingly minor acts to fight to preserve America in all her beauty and wondrous good. Until next time, Stay free, be brave, search for truth, stay safe, and God bless and happy birthday, America. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to share the podcast with others who may enjoy it. If you wish to help this podcast continue, you can contribute to support it by going to anchor.fm backslash solace-veritas and clicking the support button. The Defending American Exceptionalism podcast is written and produced by Solus Veritas. Original music by Canticum Octar. Special thanks to Morales Susceptor. Copyright 2022.